Welcome to the special Electro Rock edition of Movie Bomb Squad, episode 15, where we're going to hit up Breaking 1, and then that turned out not to be enough, so we're going to do Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. Test your mic. Test your mic. Test your mic. Season 2 It's August 24th in the year of our Lord 2014 <laughs> Joining me on the cast today is none other than the man of action Yo! And Mr. Dr. Delicious Dr. D! <laughs> So we'll be hitting that up, and also we're going to talk a little bit about Mr. Robin Williams, R.I.P. And also, this whole show is a tribute to Minahim Golan, who also passed. And if you don't know who that is, we'll talk about it later. And also, some raps. Wow. Bring it back. <laughs> the lovely slam. Baby, baby. In addition, five questions at the end by yours truly. So, without further ado, pop and lock it up. <laughs> 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 this is the section known as What Are We Drinking? We're going streaky! Yes! So, what are we drinking? Anybody? Oh, I guess I'm first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not actually drinking a lot. What I wound up doing was smoking a watermelon hookah uh, to get nice and buzzed for the show. Turns out it's a Sunday and liquor stores aren't open in this part of the country. I chose some drinks in case you do want to drink through Breaking 1 and 2, which you do. Dance with a Dream, <laughs> Triple Sec, Brandy, and something called Anisette, which I've never used before. I'm sure it's great. And also, Coffee Break, Brandy, Kahlua, Whipped Cream, Coffee, Sugar, Booyah. Right on. Uh, and me, I, I chose uh, an appropriately named Electric Martini for the Electric Boogaloo. And it is vodka, blue caraco, and sweet and sour mix. I think it's called blue curacao, isn't it? I think it is blue curacao. That's what you get when someone who doesn't drink <laughs> has a drink, folks. <laughs> blue caraco. Blue caraco. <laughs> Love it. Welcome to the fold, Mr. Yes. Delicious. It's, it's, it's a bit bitter, but it's good, actually. <laughs> drink more. It'll all come together. Mm-hmm. Life advice. <laughs> Sean, uh, Anisette is actually a Annie's-based liqueur. It's licorice-flavored. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually not bad. It's popular in Italy. I'll trust you. Anyway, I am actually drinking a black and white, or you can call it a white and black, just to keep everything equal. It's in honor of our interracial couple, leading actor and actress of the break. Yeah. <laughs> it's just Kahlua and milk. It's delicious. It's, it's, a, it's a white Russian with no vodka. There you go. 1984, they were breaking boundaries, even before Jungle Fever. That's right. Sweet. That is What Are We Drinking? I hope you folks get nice and toasty for this. But first, I'd like to go ahead to a little special section. We're going to remember old Mork for Mork. Mork calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Mork calling Orson. Come in, Orson. More calling us. Come in, your fatitude. Down, baby, get down. <laughs> I'll be with you in a moment, Mark. <laughs> Sir, you never guess what I learned. You'll never guess. Go on, take one guess. Too late? Okay, I'll tell you. I learned that I'm okay. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. 
That's a lesson one can only learn from the school of oneself. Wow, what a Werner-like thing to say. But you know something, Orson? I don't know how much value I have in this universe, but I do know that I made a few people happier than they would have been without me, and as long as I know that, I'm as rich as I ever need to be. So I'll catch you on the rebound, your magnitude. Until next week. Nanu! Nanu! On August 11, 2014, but definitely was a great sadness. Rob Williams found out that he was coming down with Parkinson's, I believe. And who knows what the cause was, but the effect was the fact that he committed suicide too early. Agreed. And, uh, yeah. What was you guys' first memories of old Robin Williams? My first memory is being a kid, uh, my next-door neighbor had a whole bunch of VHS tapes. And one of the ones I used to watch, which is uh, Robin Williams Live at the Met. It was from 1986, and so that shows you how my parents didn't care what I watched when I was younger. But it was the first thing I'd ever seen, and he was just everywhere. And he has one of my favorite bits where he talks about the birth of his child. And he says that at the time, I remember when my, when my son was born, we went kind of like through the same thing, where <laughs> his son's born, and he goes, I can't believe that boy, he's hung like a giraffe. And they say, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Robbins, that's the umbilical cord. <laughs> and he says, let him keep it a while. Let him dream like that. For some reason, it always stuck with me. It's fantastic. Um, someone did, in the last couple weeks, upload the entire thing onto YouTube. It's actually not a bad version of it. But that's my first memory of Robin Williams. It's a good one. Uh, man of action? Yeah, mine was, uh, if I could go way back... Probably when I was like a little kid, I'd spend time like a, between both grandparents' house, and a lot of times I'd find myself watching Catholic-appropriate things. And Nickelodeon was, was always something that was okay to watch. And I'm, I just remember watching Mork and Mindy, actually, just seeing him there and kind of wondering, like, who is this guy? It's hilarious. <laughs> right. And then from there, just I got, as I got older and got into film and started finding all the things he had done, it was always pretty impressive to see, see his resume and his improv and everything that he brought to the entertainment world. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, like, how much stuff he did. I think my first memory of him was probably Moscow on the Hudson. Sure. Although I was really too young to really know what was going on. But I remember seeing him with that, you know, crazy Russian hat on or whatever. I don't know what you call those. <laughs> the fur that come over your ears? Yeah, the big fuzzy hat. <laughs> I don't know what they call it either, but it's a Russian hat. The Russian hat. <laughs> the Russian hat. I found it really funny then. And, of course, I saw him working many a lot, too, like in reruns. So that will kind of lead in what was either your favorite movie by Robin Williams or, since this is The Bomb Squad, what was your favorite Bomb Squad entry? Because he was not immune to making a shitty movie every once in a while. Uh, yeah, a favorite movie, Good Will Hunting. It's what I call the serious, <laughs> serious Robin. You can always tell because he grows a beard pretty much for all of his serious roles. <laughs> if he's clean-shaven, it's probably going to be goofy. If he's, uh, I had heard a lot about the movie, and then when I finally watched it, it actually lived up to what people had told me about it. I just found his performance really good. It's very, very honest. His talk about love with Matt Damon is just a fantastic scene. Um, worst, Man of the Year, Father of the Year is pretty terrible. It's really um, depressing, and it's strange, but I would, I'd probably go with, for serious role, I'd go with that one. Yeah, I think I would actually kind of lean towards the the good movies that he's done. I don't think I've actually seen any of his movies that the Bomb Squad would actually take hold of. I'm a pretty big fan of Dead Poets Society. I always enjoyed that. Sure. Great performance and just kind of a cool story. But as far as his comic stuff goes, I recently watched this for the first time. It's older, but I hadn't seen The Birdcage. And 
I had seen. Uh-huh. There's a couple scenes in there that were just amazing. And he carries those scenes where he's telling the guy how to dance on stage, imitating all the different people, but keep it all within. Yeah. Oh, that's such a and great he, scene. Yeah, when he's teaching Nathan Lane how to walk like a man at the restaurant. Oh, my God. I mean, these are some great scenes, and, like, he's so versatile that those are the two things that strike me as as my personal favorite. Unreal. definitely going to be missed from the entertainment world. Sean, what about you? You mean Yogg? Yeah, who's Sean? Yeah, who the hell's Sean? Who the hell is this Sean person? I'm going to go with Bomb Squad entry, because this season, we were supposed to do two different Robin Williams movies. In fact, this week, we were going to do one of them, which was going to be Popeye, a Robert Altman movie about the cartoon coming to life, basically. He had prosthetics in that movie. And another movie he had prosthetics in was called House of D, directed by David Duchovny. And Robin Williams in that played a, I mean, I don't know your politically correct term for it, but he was he played a retarded full man, uh, full retard <laughs> in, that, in that movie. And, uh, You're not supposed to ever do that. He's got range, but I think it's just a recipe for disaster if you're taking that on. You know, the magical black man kind of thing where you've all, always got this black guy that pops up and it gives him some wisdom. Well, that's him. He's like the magical retarded guy. <laughs> magical mongoloid? Ma- magical Ooh, that mongoloid. Was, that's definitely off the... Ah. <laughs> that should be, that should be a band spectrum. name. That should be awesome. <laughs> My bad. Woo! <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's just a... <laughs> I'm totally wrong with this. I'm pretty sure it's just a, uh, you know, it's just a definition. You know, it's just like being... <laughs> it's, it's like the 1950s appropriate term. Now, it's a... Frowned upon quite a while. I've learned that. Now I won't use it for the duration of the show. (laughs) It's a learning podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I I think House of D would be his best bomb squad entry. And then favorite movie of his, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many of them. I really, I couldn't even pick one, to be honest. You watched them because it was Rob Williams. You didn't care like if anybody else was in it, and that was his thing. That was his power as an actor. He could pull something good out of a crappy movie. Agreed. Mm. Agreed. That he could. So that said, I don't have a toast prepared, but even if we don't say anything, <laughs> we just drink we just... in honor of Robin Williams' passing. Oh, Captain, mm. my Captain. Perfect. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Not the smooshy. <laughs> awesome movie. Very good movie. Well, without further ado, the reason for the season, breaking and breaking two, electric. Electric Boogaloo combined into one single film because they pretty much happened at the same same time. Welcome back to Breaking and Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'm going to go ahead and combine these two films into one, uh, but we will go ahead and give you the individual scores. First of all, Breaking 1 came out in May of 1984. It scored a 5.5 on IMDb and a 33% for critical reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It was produced by Canon Films. This whole episode is dedicated to Canon Films, which was run by Minahim Golan and Yoram Globus, two Israeli producers. And, uh, yeah, it was actually really, really successful in theaters for Canon at the time. I think it made like 35 million bucks. What it's about is it's like the first dance-off movie. Set the bar, it created the whole like scenario of street dancer meets classical dancer. They team up. 
have a competition, break apart, then have another competition, and everybody's happy. <laughs> the dancing's what's important. <laughs> There's nothing but the dance. Nothing but the dance, really. It started because of a German documentary called Breaking and Entering, I want to say. I don't know. <laughs> B&E? Yeah, it was Breaking and Entering. Breaking and Entering. came out in 83, just talking about all this breakdancing that was happening in Los Angeles. And as soon as these producers saw it, Menahim Golan was like, well, we are going to capitalize. We're going to make a badass movie, release it. What do you know? He was right. <laughs> it made tons of money. Booyah. There's your synopsis for Breaking One. But it cannot explain exactly how insane the film really is. And that leads us directly into Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. And to go upon what you said, not only was Breaking successful, but in terms of financially redistribu or distribution, it was Canon's most successful movie. So, <laughs> um, Breaking Two was released December of the same year as Breaking, uh, 1984. So they were definitely trying to capitalize as quickly as possible, and it makes sense because Breaking Two basically seems like the next day. Uh, IMDb gives it gives it a 4.8. Rotten Tomatoes says. Screw you, and gives it no score. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes no score is better than any score, I guess. <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, basically, Breaking 2 is about the same characters, and there's this developer that is trying to bulldoze a community recreation center, and the local breakdancers try to get all of their opponents and their everyone they know and the whole town to band together to stop them. That's it. That's the plot. <laughs> epic. I guess in a way it is epic. You're right. But we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> what were your first impressions of Breaking? I know, Man of Action, you'd never seen it before, right? No. I have seen either one. I just knew they were about breakdancing. So I watched these two movies, and the two thoughts that were flip-flopping the whole time were, God, were the 80s really like this? And damn, are they still dancing? <laughs> and that's it, man. They danced so much. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect that much dancing, because I'd seen some of the modern dance movies. And they dance, but there's weak stories scattered throughout. <laughs> This was like, if it was an hour and a half long, it was an hour, 15 minutes worth of dancing. It just was nonstop dancing, nonstop 80s. So my first impression was, <laughs> it was actually kind of good. I was awake. I was like, damn, look at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my brother listens to this podcast, so he's going to hate this. But my brother was, uh, at this point, when these movies came out, he wanted to become a professional break dancer. <laughs> <laughs> he, was he was nine years old at the time when the movie was released. So not only do we go and see this movie, but he emulated the gear that they wore, specifically wow. the Admiral's suit from Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo that Turbo has on, or whatever that suit is. And then he had the gloves. He would take out cardboard, and he would break dance. So I watched these movies constantly when I was younger. My first impression of it was, how awesome is this, a breakdancing movie? And now that I'm older, I'm like, how terrible is this, a breakdancing movie? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the time, you know what I mean? It was, this was it. There was nothing like it. And I loved it. And I, in a strange way, I... Uh Nostalgically, I, I love them both again. But yeah, my brother would watch these movies and learn the, the moves Did from there. Did you uh, Yeah, Zip Zap was his name. <laughs> yes! He <laughs> Zip Zap? Zip Zap! <laughs> <laughs> he used to write it, too. He used to tag his notebooks. He'd write a Z and then like another Z connected to it, and he'd write if and at in between the Zs. Zip Zap! Wow. <laughs> My first impression is, you know, kind of tied to seeing these names. They're the real street names. I mean, they're actually dancers. 
So we've got Boogaloo Shrimp, his, his actual street name, one of the main actors, and also uh, Shabadoo. <laughs> and I had not seen these movies when they came out. First impression was I really enjoyed them. I thought it was hilarious. It kept me engaged the whole time with how insane the 80s were. And just the whole idea of dance battles in general, I, I wish it would come back in movies. Um, oh, agree. Because I've seen those other movies too, like Stepping Up and Save the Last Dance and, you know, all these movies, they all have the same formula, but none of them are as funny to me or as engaging as Breaking or Breaking 2. I guess the people in Breaking take themselves seriously too, but it's different. <laughs> and the audience can't. The audience can't, exactly. And I think that's what makes these movies so great in the first place. Um, and plus, as a avid bad movie lover, Electric Boogaloo is like a hallowed name. It has achieved the status that's like gone beyond movies. It's now entered the lexicon as an unnecessary sequel. Anytime there's an unnecessary sequel for a movie, it's called blah, 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 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, any, any unnecessary sequel just ends in Electric Boogaloo. Because <laughs> that's what this one kind of was. But I'm glad they made it anyway. So what we're going to do this podcast to keep the flow going, to just kind of talk about things, we'll just open the floor for a discussion about Breaking 1 and Breaking 2 and trivia, whatever you want to throw in there before we hit up our first uh, section called Slam. So have at it. I'll tell you what, one thing that I kind of want to discuss everybody's opinions on, and you mentioned it in your um, first impression, is that I still don't understand the dance battle scenario that comes up all the time in all these movies where two groups dance battle one another. I don't know... Like, in the first one, it was clear that Ozone and his team lost, but I, I didn't understand why. But everybody else did. They're like, he just got beat. But I'm like, oh, who says this? I mean, who judges these <laughs> dance battles? Yeah, who decides the winner? Yeah. Ice Cube. Yeah. <laughs> Normally, the crowd and the DJ, they've kind of taken a step back uh, today. They still do dance battles, but now it's become like a lot of open mic or rap-offs. And in that case, they just kind of go off the crowd, or the DJ gets to decide who's going to be the winner. In that case, in their first battle, they lost because what they said was no one could take their eyes off the girl that they brought in. Like, all okay. of a sudden, it wasn't guy against guy. It was they brought a girl. Oh, no. Okay. Even well, no, though she was terrible. Sense. Yeah. But, but when, you're, when you're dance battling under an overpass with no audience, who decides <laughs> that? You know? You mean you, nunchucks against <laughs> trash can lids? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there's no real audience, because these people, if they ran into one another, and there was no one else around, they would dance battle. Or it was not the place to show each other their moves. Right. What, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, it, it cracks me up, like, every time I see it or think about it. <laughs> the way they dance at one another, you know? Like, yeah. I'm going to dance at you and defeat you. I don't dance. <laughs> Exactly. My pop and lock kicks your pop and lock's ass. That's what's great about it. In fact, there was one part, I don't remember, in, in one of the dance battles where they kind of like shoot like a move. They're almost throwing a fireball out of their hands or something. They had this look on their face. They're a wizard or something. And the guy who receives the fireball on the opposite dance crew falls back like he's been hit by something incredible. It's like they know certain moves are stays and you have to just kind of go with it. That's right. He's like, that dude totally hadouken me. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do that. Bring it out street by the shit. If I ever come across a dance battle... I'm going to, like, jump in and do some of that and see what happens. I'll do some hand break dancing and then throw, like, a break dancing fireball at somebody and see what happens. Please have somebody oh. record it. <laughs> I think 
think that's what I kind of love about the movies. They're almost kids' movies in a way. They're real naive. There is no world like this. This world doesn't exist. But Did it, though? <laughs> did it actually exist? It did for a little bit, I think, huh? Yeah, oh yeah. My brother would have dance-offs. He'd go challenge people. He would literally grab his cardboard box, and he'd slide it to the end of our driveway down off of North Start near West Metairie, and he would get there, and he would challenge people on bikes if they drove past and gave him a look. By <laughs> 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 hand to God, I wish, wish they had cell phones back then. He would just sit there, and he's like, you want some of this? Let's break. Let's break. And he'd say that. Let's break. Let's break. <laughs> Zip zap, baby. So this is what I want to point out, though. He was nine. That's right. And all the people in this movie are adults. <laughs> so I, I want to think it existed, <laughs> and I'm going to keep hope alive that it did. But it's really, really hard to believe in my old, jaded, current-day self. <laughs> yeah, I think it would regress to a knife fight pretty fast if someone started jiggling their hands in front of your face real fast. <laughs> And blow an imaginary dust in your face. <sighs> <laughs> that was my favorite move, I think, oh. where he just like shook his hands back and forth a whole lot. Just like shaking his arms. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was badass. I did notice something cool yeah. in terms of trivia. I don't know if you guys did notice this or, or read about it, but one of the scenes we're going to talk about later, there's a rotating room, and they borrowed it from Nightmare on Elm Street, from when the girl gets thrown across the room and the boyfriend has to watch her die in the very first original Nightmare on Elm Street. They borrowed it from that set, and so there's a picture of Freddy's glove on the wall. Awesome. What is that? I did not notice that. You know, I heard yeah. something about that same scene, but I heard it was actually some kind of Fred Astaire scene that was done. Yeah, it's an homage to him. I tell you but, what, yeah, though, was... as bad as the movies were, like that scene had me captivated. I, I oh, yeah. could not figure out how they did that scene. I didn't see, so, any, yeah. I didn't see any wire work. It could have been it's a rotating wired. room. It's I, a I rotating really room. Is it? It's a rotating room, rotating? yeah. Yeah, they did the same thing. It's the same thing they did in, in uh, they, they used the same room from Nightmare on Elm Street, where the girl crawls up the wall as Freddy's attacking her. It's the exact same room from the first movie. It looks um, good, actually, for its time, for a dated piece that it is. I was actually sort of impressed. Yeah, it's really cool. My daughter, my 12-year-old daughter and her friend were over when I was watching Electric 2, and they were captivated. Like, I turned around and looked, and they're like, how is he dancing up the wall? And, like, they were just totally into the movie, and they're like, I don't know what movie this is, but this is awesome. I'm like, all right. And you were like, that's it, my friend, Boogaloo Shrimp. That's right. That's Zip Zap's cousin, <laughs> Boogaloo Shrimp. All righty. Um, so the movie was 1951's Royal Wedding. Fred Astaire dances on the ceiling, and the room is on a pivot, and the camera just stays stationary in one spot, so it looks like he's kind of running around. Yeah. Um, because your viewpoint never changes, but the room spins around the camera. It's an homage to that, but it's funny. If you watch the Nightmare on Elm Street documentary, there's like a freaking four-and-a-half-hour documentary on Netflix mm -hmm. that uh, Heather Langenkamp narrates and helped create. She talks about that room scene in great detail and how they got it from Fred Astaire, and now Breaking has got it from Freddy. So. Bam. It all comes full circle. Basically, if there's anybody out there who knows where some open dance-offs are happening, please let us know if they're on the West Coast, Southeastern. We would love to attend one. Before we uh, start breaking down scenes and all that good stuff, though, I do want to mention that I'm a huge fan of Ice-T, but in an ironic way, because uh, his Law & Order character is just goofy. Ice-T's pretty goofy in general. Anyways, he was in both of these movies as the, the rapper in the club, and his character is named rap talker <laughs> so you can tell it was created by two old jewish guys this movie it was like yeah rap talker yeah <laughs> Bam. back in 
84 when rap was first coming into its own. So he's on stage, and he's in the first one, he's kind of thuggish looking, but in the second one, he looks hilarious. He has his own, like, belly shirt and chains and all kinds of crazy spikes on and stuff. And, but he was in the third film. There's a movie called Rappin'. And so, again, signs that two old white guys made these movies is that you just take the G off of whatever verb it is, and you just put an apostrophe there. Breaking, breaking, and rapping. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> stars Mario Van Peebles and Eric LaSalle. Ugh, what a cast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Mario Van Peebles couldn't rap at all, so he got dubbed over by Ice-T and also somebody from Sugar Hill Gang um, <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> Mario Van Peebles was in Highlander 4, wasn't he? Yes, sir. <laughs> Highlander 3 Three. as Highlander the mad, Three. mad wizard. Oh, I thought he was in Endgame for some reason. <laughs> he might have been. Maybe he brought him back. <laughs> Sticks with the good ones. Indeed. You were close to it, Man of Action, when you said that, like, in the second movie, I timed it, there are 50 minutes out of one hour and a half that was nothing but dancing. That's impressive. So you you have 40 minutes of story, something, and then 50 minutes of just dancing. That's awesome. <laughs> breakdancing musical. That's what surprised me about the second one. The second, the first one was like, oh, breakdancing movie. And the second one was like, oh, my God, this is a breakdancing musical. <laughs> I mean, the choreography was absolutely insane. It was all over the place. Did this remind anybody else of West Side Story? 100%. It's the ghetto West Side Story, even though the West Side Story is supposed to be in the ghetto. What's funny is they used knives and stuff in West Side Story, at least, when they had their battles and they were dancing around, but not in this. It's just like dust and (laughs) (laughs) fireballs and And all kinds of them. You got a girl on your team, that's, that's right. an awesome weapon. Oh, takes. A white girl, that's what you need. You need a white girl, give her a sweet name, like Special K. <laughs> they had a great list of nicknames. Uh, I was oh, yeah. watching a video that talked about how Shabadoo got his nickname. Well, I was also at the list here, and I didn't realize this, but some of the cast members have some great nicknames. Anna Lollipop Sanchez, Timothy Poppin' oh, yeah. Pete Solomon, Bruno Poppin' Taco Falcon. <laughs> He's one of the Electro Rock gang members. Boogaloo Shrimp, he explained his name, but I actually thought it was kind of dumb, so I forgot it. But Shock Dudes, <laughs> what cracked me up, this guy's in a club dancing, <laughs> does his thing, and the DJ, I can't remember how he put it, like he got up and he introduced him to something, but then he said, like he followed up with, Shabba-dabba-doo! And, then that was it, right? and so, the, like that. So, Adolfo, that's his real name, he goes home and he's like, he's thinking, shabba-dabba-doo, you know, he's like, man, that's, that, that's almost pretty good. So he's like, throws around some ideas and he comes up with, he shortens it to shabba-doo because he said it had a rhythmic quality to it. And he just stuck. That's amazing. Yeah. Adolfo actually ended up having quite an interesting career. He was an original Soul Train gang member in the 1970s and early 80s. Called him gang members, but he danced with Soul Train. He's considered one of the forefathers of hip-hop dancing. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was also in the film Lombada. He's won awards for his choreography and directing. He's done it for Madonna, Luther Vandross, and Lionel Richie. Two out of three are not known for their dancing. <laughs> He's currently the choreographer for Jamie Kennedy's MTV show, Blowing Up, or when it was out. He choreographed the Academy Awards, the 78th annual one. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So he's, he's wow. actually, in terms of dancing, he's a pioneer. Most impressively, he was a dancer in Tango and Cash. Correct. <laughs> really? Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch that again. Yes. I had that on my four-pack of Stallone films. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you get a bonus, because it's Kurt Russell in Stallone, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. And Jack Palance is oh, the bad guy. Even better. But think how mm-hmm. excited you're going to be when you spot Shabadoo in the crowd. 
<laughs> like, I know Corey, him. Corey, it's Shabadoo. That's Shabadoo right there. I know him, man. <laughs> Personally, if anybody's curious and they want to see something funny, go to YouTube and look up Shabadoo. Because... <laughs> He has his own channel now on YouTube where he takes himself very seriously. Oh my God. Man of Action and I were talking about this. He, he's pretty much like a pimp is how he puts himself out there. There's a video of like this soul music with a bunch of still photos of him in a slick suit pulling off dance moves. And he's definitely like, for his age, you know, he's looking good. And in the comments, there are some older women who are like, damn, he fine. <laughs> like, I don't know what the purpose of the YouTube site is other than to advertise Shabadoo. <laughs> Fantastic. To somebody. <laughs> Shabadooba ding dong. That's awesome. He's living in France now. He moved to France. He's... <laughs> all right, uh, so. it's all, that's about all I've got yeah. for this uh, collection of films. So get up, get down. <laughs> well, first, we need to make sure we that we handle slam. the third part. Wrap it. We've got we to slam one another, don't we? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm super not excited about this next section. It's called <laughs> Slam. Oh, come on now. Your inner rapper oh, isn't red. Oh, my favorite Onyx song of all. Anywho, <laughs> I guess it's the only Onyx song I know. <laughs> We're going to do a little bit different thing for Slam here. Uh, luckily, I've been opted out because I didn't write a damn thing. Uh, <laughs> so honest. Yes. I couldn't even begin to write a rap for a break-in or break-in two. My failing. But now I get to judge, which is awesome. So we're going to have a rap-off, much in the same vein as the dance-offs that happen in these films. Yeah. Do you guys want to flip a coin? or like You should flip a coin. Some... Or you got a die or something you can roll? You know? Anything. I got a sticker. I can... Flip it up in the air. Do it. I'll trust you. All right. All right. So sticker back. Who's going to be the plain white back on the sticker? I'll be the white back. <laughs> All right. So I'll Man of Action's the white back on the sticker. Mr. D, you're the red, white, and blue front. All right. Here we go. Up in the air. Liberty never fails. So before I announce who just won this, who is the winner? What does that mean? So like, The winner gets to choose whether they go first or not. Oh, yeah. Let them choose. Very good. Very good. All right, so Mr. D, you won. Ah, Liberty never fails. I'll go last. <laughs> I'll go first, huh? Yeah. I'll see how it is. All right. <clears throat> this is a little slam poem I prepared in honor of Mr. Ozone. And this is directed at you, Dr. D. Yes, sir. It's time to hit the streets. Bust out your neons and purples. Feel the rhythm, sucker. Feel the beats. What I bring is nonverbal. Faster than a turtle spinning circles, my moves will make you infertile. This is the 80s, fool. Spiked bracelets half naked. Step out, son, as I take you back to the basics. Whirling on the pavement, I'm the greatest. Look at my crotch, it's a must. To watch it thrust in your face, I disgrace your whole goddamn crew. Don't trip, you already knew. Slow motion leap to the camera, John motherfucking Woo. My moves are the freshest answer, the best kind of cancer. Who's next? Ozone, street dancer. Bam, son! (laughs) (laughs) Did you just throw your microphone down? No, but I clapped my hand and pointed at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Just gave me a verbal Hadouken. I did, man. Take that. I felt it. I felt it. I went back in my chair on it. (laughs) I laughed my ass off as I was writing this thing. I'm like, oh my God, why is this even being created? Well played. Time for my rebuttal. Let's hear it. The sounding of the pounding of feet on the street 
the bass take the reins on this ride. Pop locking, body rocking, two boys, one girl, white in a black world, from classical to b-boy on the side. I'm sweeping with no room like turbo. I'm putting the C and the two in O zone. I'm signing contracts worth having with Shooter McGavin, feeling my electric boogaloo. Ice-T sets the tone. There are no ice cubes to be found. You're breaking, playmaking, and getting down. So dance on the ceiling, win the contest. Don't fight the feeling. Which crew is the best? Dance battle, dance battle. No more to give. The only thing that's breaking is my fucking will to live. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's more of a me against the movies, but that's fine. <laughs> hey, listen, man. That's why the whole thing was Ice-T sets the tone, no ice cubes to be found. That's right. <laughs> so you didn't like the putting the C in the 2 with the O zone? CO2? No? All right. <laughs> it was too, too intelligent. It was too... <laughs> 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 I have, a, uh, I have a guy I uh, write songs with, and he's like, man, you got to dumb it up. People are not as smart as you think they are. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Right. Good advice. He's like, my humps was the number one song. Think about it like that. I'm like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> okay. Do I have to choose? I guess I yeah, do. So, We're all friends here. Not after this. <laughs> no, I have to agree. I think that Man of Action Years was far more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to sound that way. Every rap battle from here out is all going to sound aggressive. Yeah, bumping a crotch in my face. That was brutal. I feel like Man of Action, you actually took the role of one of the street dancers in the year. I even stood up. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, Mr. Dr. Delicious, you were definitely like more angry at the the movies, which is all right. But I think I have to give this one to Man of Action. Yes. Um, I did find myself trying to figure out. I spent about two or three lines after <laughs> figuring out the C to the 2 to the Ozone. <laughs> I was like, is that, is that good? Is that bad? I couldn't. <laughs> Kudos to both, considering you both did better than I did. Well played, Dr. J. Well played. So, Man of Action, you win the sticker. Yes. Mail it to me. Fantastic. The American sticker. I'll put it above my bed. <laughs> You're not going to have any more room above your bed pretty soon. <laughs> That's a topic for another show. Yes, sir. <laughs> but you did mention Shooter McGavin, which was awesome. And hopefully we'll mention him later on. And that was Slam, everybody. With the boys, boys. Oh, yeah. So now it's that time. It's time for the fives, five scenes, five quotes, and five drinking games, most importantly of all, culminating in our scores for the breaking experience. First off, hit up scenes, though. And I'd like to say that breaking two somehow outnumbered breaking one in scenes, because, I don't know, maybe it was all the dancing. I don't know what it was. One of my favorite scenes was when the TKO crew from the community center known as Miracles took on... (laughs) The electro-rock Hispanic. I'm not sure. They all went by lollipops. They all had lollipop in the name. I don't know. They had nunchucks. It was nunchucks versus garbage can lids. It take place underneath an overpass. And, uh, yeah, they just danced the shit out of each other. I don't don't know who won. I don't know what to say about it. Besides, it was like four minutes of the most hilarious dancing that you can hope to find in any film that's ever been created. I completely agree. They're all wearing the same costumes. Uh. <laughs> I don't even know. That, that scene was 
It's one of those scenes that I think people need to see because of its ridiculousness. You can't describe it better than it actually is from seeing it. It's one of those things that as you're seeing it, you're thinking, why does this exist? Why is this here? <laughs> so if you don't know what it is and you haven't seen the movie yet, please look it up on YouTube. If you just look up TKO Crew vs. Electro Rock Dance Battle, it's on there. There's like a four and a half minute scene on YouTube. You can find it. Um, but yeah, they just pull up in a limo. They're coming out of the community center. For some reason, these, this other crew lives under an overpass. And they just face off, line in the sand, and then they just start doing crazy dance moves, a lot of which involve kind of touching each other inappropriately. Uh, <laughs> then they pick up garbage can lids, and the other crew has nunchucks. They take the nunchucks, they throw them in the garbage can. And everybody seems so, like, serious. It's so deadly serious. <laughs> And the Electro Rock crew, they're like, the leader, he's got this weird, almost erotic smirk on his face the whole time. He's smiling, but he's not, but he is, and it's really strange. Speaking of erotic smirks, um, <laughs> Dr. D, you want to go ahead and take the next yes. scene? So, Turbo is trying to figure out how to talk to a girl that he likes. He doesn't know how to approach her, so Ozone begins to, well, it's they practice with this doll, and in between... The dancing, like, they're imagining the girl that Ozone likes and the girl that Turbo likes, and they're both getting mad at each other, and it ends up into, like, this tug-of-war with the doll, and then this overly dramatic scenes with the doll, and it's a doll dancing scene with, with Turbo and Ozone. Very uncomfortable at times. Yeah, weird. Yeah, when they go in for, like, romantic gestures, I'm not sure how to react to it. It's very confusing, also. <laughs> it starts out with, or Ozone's kind of like, this is how you need to dance with a woman, you know? You need to sidle up to her, whisper in her ear, and then, like, just take her and start dancing. And, and I can almost take that part. But then, as they start imagining the doll to be a real person, it cuts in between real person and doll over and over and over again. So you really don't know, like, what's a dream, what's not a dream, who's hallucinating here. And then they throw the doll away, and they're kind of just dancing together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of like what I thought should have happened the whole movie anyway. I don't believe that Turbo and Ozone are straight in this film. <laughs> oh, they're wow. Gonna make, <laughs> they're going to have themselves a little toe zone scene. <laughs> I'd have to watch it again. <laughs> Congratulations. You just got to repeat view it. Yes. Well, speaking of Turbo, the next scene involves him dancing with a broom outside of a store in the street. It's bizarre. But uh, Ozone and uh, Turbo are, I guess, closing some little convenience store of some sort and ask him if he's going to sweep outside. He walks outside, busts out a broom, and just starts breakdancing with this broom. It's a really long scene. You're just kind of like, damn, is he going to still keep dancing with this broom? Like, how long is this scene going to last? <laughs> and then it ends with a little confrontation on the street. I mean, it's pretty funny. And it was notable enough that even Dave Chappelle did kind of a parody of it later. Does anybody know how the broom... Like, this broom's pretty magical. Oh, yeah. This movie doesn't really set up any magic, though. It's, I found it really weird like that. It's got, like... Breakdancing is magical. Like, this scene or the scene where Turbo's, like, on the ceiling or whatever, like, how does this stuff happen in the movie? Is breakdancing supposed to be magic? I don't... I don't know. He's, like, lifting the broom in thin air. It's levitating. Somehow it stands up on its end for a long, long time. It's like it will never move yeah. <laughs> if he just left it there. 
it's funny to me that Turbo's, well, I would think, the subordinate, because I don't see Ozone dancing on ceilings, and I don't see him making a broom move with his mind, so I think Turbo should be the one we're focusing on as the lead character. You're kind of right about right? that. He's actually a best He's literally, yeah, he's literally the magical black man yeah. in this movie. He's, Maybe this movie started magical black man. He's Kazam. <laughs> a boy, you should say. That dude was only like 16 when he did the first yeah. one. Well, I, yeah. Same age for the second one, I guess. I mean, he's a fantastic dancer, but he's got these magical dancing powers, even with a broken leg. He's like Hammerman. I was jealous. Yes. Let's go ahead and hit up the entire opening, the Breaking Two. This is the moment you know that Breaking Two has definitely like jumped the shark. It's gone beyond anything that Breaking One will ever do. Everybody in the street next to this community center is dancing. Cops, old ladies, thousands of people just dancing for about five and six minutes oh, yeah. <laughs> in the ghetto. <laughs> You're walking down the street just making everyone dance. There's a lot of choreography went into that, too. Goofy as it was, I was sort of impressed with the scope of it. I'm like, damn, man. This is definitely... <laughs> they definitely stepped it up. <laughs> <laughs> is that a dance movie pun? Can we just get as many dance movie puns in this <laughs> podcast as possible? I, I, I tried to make it as natural sounding as I could. I don't know if it played off very well, though. I'm going to save the last scene for you. <laughs> well played. <sighs> <laughs> the first dance fighting scene. All I can say is Abraxas would approve. <laughs> it is a highly homoerotically charged dudes grabbing one another. There's literal crotch bumping. Not a fuck was given to personal space during this one. There's definitely one of most awkward dance things you've ever seen. And if you saw a bunch of guys smacking cocks together in a dance club, you would assume you were in the wrong dance club. If you were straight, or the or the right one, yeah. or the right one, if it was exactly <laughs> if it was Rainbow Night at Disney World, that is exactly what you would be going for. Rainbow um, Night. Yeah, there's a Rainbow Night at Disney World. I worked at Disney World. There's Rainbow Night. Oh yeah. Okay. Club called Mannequins. Um, in any event, yeah, that's where you'd find a, a dance a dance fight like this. There's intense eye contact and thrusting and bumping. It's, we it's get awesome. We get it. Get it, man. We get it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You get it. In answer to your questions earlier, Man of Action, maybe this is how they win the dance-offs, by making the other crew the most uncomfortable. Uh, oh, you forced You dance the other, other crew into leaving. That's, it. <laughs> That's what it is. So just bring a fat dude and make him strip. Everyone leaves. You it's win. Approach. You just have the stamina to just laugh the whole time. <laughs> Dancing endless moves, and you'll win. Yo, that, yo, that, dude, that dude can cock bang for hours. You might not want to dance against him, I'm just telling you. <laughs> shouldn't use the word cock bang in our... <laughs> <laughs> I think every week I'm going to introduce a word that you never want to hear again. What was last week that had me... Oh, uh, milking your, urine milk or something? <laughs> milking the urine. Alrighty, so let's go ahead up on that. the next top five on urine milking. Top five quotes from Breaking One and Breaking Two. First one I'm gonna give. So the first movie I thought was kind of it was a more serious film, and it had this one really serious scene where Ozone is trying to convince the classical dancer lady Kelly to come back to the crew. You don't need all that jazz dancing that you're going to do because breakdance is really the real thing. This is the streets, and I'm going to show you the streets. So he takes her onto the beach, shows her this paraplegic guy 
First of all, he's dancing around on his crutches. He's hopping around. And then he just throws his crutches on the ground, and he just starts doing a head spin. And his legs, sorry if it's offensive, but because he has no muscles or anything in his legs, like, they're just hilarious. They look like puppet legs. They're just, like, flying around, flailing. And he's just spinning on his head for minutes, it seems like. Probably not that long, but it's an ozone. It's like, look at him. You see his face? That's dancing, Kelly. <laughs> it was a pretty laughable line, I have to say. He was spending like longer than the scene needed. It's kind of like, okay, we got it. Uh, which leads us to our next scene. Let's see, our next quote. Actually, it's the first racism you see really towards Special K, kind of outside of Turbo, not believing that she could dance with what they do. But basically, Ozone and another girl have an argument at a party, and Ozone says, well, what do you want? And the girl says, I want you to stay away from that girl. And Ozone gives her a, <laughs> throws the magazine on the floor, and responds with, girl's a whack, man. <laughs> that actress that played, what was her, Linda? Is that her name? Yeah. Yes. She was awful. Awful. That scene is hilariously Yeah, awful. hilariously awful. Definitely a good scene. <laughs> she terrifies me, actually. She's got a really <laughs> scary look on her face. Oh, she's freaking terrifying. I don't know if she's been in anything else, but I need to find her again. I feel like I've seen her somewhere else. Probably a scared Maybe. straight video. <laughs> yeah, that could be it. Or my nightmares. Either one. <laughs> the third quote that we'll hit up will be, uh, again, Ozone's trying to teach his smooth moves to Turbo. The whole thing's weird because they're both clearly gay. So Ozone's like, phase one, you got to get the girl interested. Then there's phase two, the old tactical maneuver. You know, tactical maneuver is basically just ignoring the girl, which is bad advice. <laughs> but I guess it's good advice for the hood. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought the whole speech was kind of humorous. And there was no phase three. There was no phase three. Yeah, it just kind of ended. I think they danced with the doll after that. <laughs> That's phase three. Phase three, dance with the doll. Then dance with each other. <laughs> my favorite ones, though, uh, as far as quotes go, which I actually used in my slam poem, was in the, the first breaking movie. They're you know, trying to get this audition for this big show, like the biggest show that's ever been done, and the judges won't see them because they're street dancers. And one of the judges is like, who's next? And then Ozone just shouts, Ozone! And a nice dramatic pause street dancer and then they just jump out on stage and they just start dancing and ripping off their sleeves it was pretty ridiculous and uh <laughs> the next quote that i have is also from ozone i think he's one of my favorite characters uh which is i guess a bit of 80s slang that i'm still not quite sure how to use but and talking with turbo about taking it to the enemy crew he says let's turn these fools out man which just goes along the lines of Shabadoo is actually a pimp. Because that's a term that pimps use for their prostitutes or whores or whatever you want to call them. Let's turn them out. Turning people out is kind of like turning a trick. It's not a dance term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out how he was using it. Like, what was he, tr what was he getting at? <laughs> <laughs> like, let's make these fools our prostitutes. <laughs> Let's make them so then, uncomfortable they leave. <laughs> that could be it. It all fits now. I understand. So, if you watch these movies with, a, with your own crew, first of all, I suggest getting a crew name. Second, drinking games. You're going to need them because it's going to make it that much better. First one I bring it to you will be every time you see a close-up shot of a hand breakdancing, 
There are a lot of them, especially in part two of this film. Handbrake dancing. All over. Take a drink. Also, if you hear any phrase from the 80s, take a drink. That's right. So let's turn these fools out and drink. <laughs> Every time Turbo squeals really loud or has his pants unzipped, take a drink. <laughs> it was pretty amazing how many times he had his pants unzipped yeah. in this movie. Uh, and he never noticed. And really? he zips them up, oh. like, in front in front of, like, several scenes. I don't know why he had them unzipped. <laughs> He's constantly zipping his pants up. When he mocks someone, he gets... He gets, like, a really high-pitched squeal, that squeal he does, in a voice. You'll oh, wait, it wasn't Turbo that had his pants unzipped. It was Ozone. Ozone. Ozone is the one with his pants. But that's okay. Anytime Turbo yeah. squeals, or Ozone has to zip his pants up. <laughs> Those go together, really. <laughs> that's right. They are together. <laughs> Toezone, baby. Toezone. So the next one will be... Uh, when some old cracker man says it does something racist <laughs> in Breaking 1 or Breaking 2, because the, the white stereotypes in this movie are pretty hilarious. Yes. We can't let him come in our club. He's got an earring. I mean, there's even like a scene where two rich white businessmen in ascots, pretty much, sit there and go like, <laughs> It's ridiculous. So, one of my all-time favorite, when someone breaks the fourth wall and stares directly into the camera, and that will happen a lot. Go ahead and take a drink. Part of doing a breakdancing musical. That's right. It's pretty uncomfortable sometimes, especially when that uh, Hispanic lady is staring into the camera. She's really angry looking. I had to look I away. I had to turn away. <laughs> you, got turned out. you got turned out. <laughs> we did. We would have lost that dance competition. <laughs> yes, sir. And last but certainly not least, anytime you see Ozone's <laughs> wearing a half shirt, take a drink. <laughs> I don't know who made that shit popular, but that was laughable every time. <laughs> There's your fives. Now, final scores. I ranked both movies individually. I figured that's what we all did. Yeah, I did the same thing. For breaking one, for having Shooter McGavin, and some other movie where he's not Shooter McGavin. I, was, I knew he was an actor, but, you know, never thought of him in any other film outside of Happy Gilmore. So, having Shooter McGavin plus five. For the broom scene... I gave it a plus 10 because it inspired Dave Chappelle to do a hilarious broom scene also. So anything like that's got to be worth something. Another plus 10 for creating the dance movie formula. I don't know if there was like a dance battle movie before this one besides like West Side Story, which wasn't really a dance battle movie. Plus 5 for them having actual jobs in the first movie. Whereas like the second film, all they did was just dance around like idiots. The first movie, they, they were like sweeping things up and working at a grocery store. So I felt like it was trying to give the movie some reality. And uh, I kind of liked it. I don't know. I liked the whole <laughs> real story. Um, plus 10 for all the cameos in the first movie. Ice-T, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Whoa, where was he at? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my he was goodness. On the, he was on the beach scene. The very and first fact, dance scene. I missed it. He went on record. They cut a lot of his stuff out. He was like doing flips and things because this was the first film appearance he ever had and he was trying to get noticed. So he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff <laughs> and, in the background while they were dancing. And he was right. noticed because this led to his, his movie career, basically. that They went kind of off of that. Like that. I guess someone there noticed him and that led to his first role. Yeah, and no retreat, no surrender. Oh, my goodness. Didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah. wow. Stunned. I'm stunned. That is amazing. Plus five for the 80s. I think this perfectly encapsulates the 80s <laughs> in, the, in the best way possible. You know, like, <laughs> this is how I like to remember the 80s. Just go back and watch this movie, and you're like, man, that decade wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> 
plus five for white men stereotypes, which will also be in the second film. All in all, I gave the movie 50 points for Breaking 1, which is a pretty high score for me. Breaking 2, not high score at all, really. As intricate as all the dance scenes were, I was really disappointed to not have more of a story. I kind of enjoyed the serious moments in the first one. And so I gave it negative 10 for all the dancing. (laughs) And I gave it plus 5 for the doll scene, because that was kind of weird and insane. Plus 5 for the crazy woman eyes that had inspired the doll scene. And another plus 5 for white people stereotypes. (laughs) All in all. Breaking two electric boogaloo. Oh, I'll give it another plus five for inspiring the whole electric boogaloo meme. But all in all, the first one gets fifty and this one gets ten. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Well, I'll just do these side by side. Twenty point scale for each category. For breaking and for breaking two, the plot both get zeros. There's really, there's really no, no saving that. Acting, they both get zeros again. Special effects. Breaking one gets a five. Breaking ten has a ceiling dance. Can't do. Ah, that's a ten. Sorry, I guess a ten out of twenty. Rewatchability. I give 15 out of 20 for Breaking, 5 out of 20 for Breaking 2. I would definitely watch Breaking a couple more times with people. Man, it's, it would be hard to sit to that dance fest the second time. Now, uh, Lanyap. Breaking gets a 20 out of 20 for Jean-Claude Van Damme for inventing, for being the first of its kind in terms of movies, uh, just for the history of making me go back and try to find pictures of my brother as Zip Zap. Uh, everything, <laughs> nostalgia, I mean, even my kids enjoyed it for the cheesy disgustingness it is. Um, so it only gets 10 for Breaking 2 because it really, I don't know, you get Shooter McGavin and that's about it. It's basically the same movie. So 40 out of 100 for Breaking and 25 out of 100 for Breaking 2. Sweet. Wow. That's not bad. Not that's bad. about the same. Mm. Y'all, really, y'all really liked uh, the first one better. I did. Did. Is it, is it the opposite for it, you? Uh, I took a slightly different approach. Nice. Um, I'm going to go ahead and rank them side by side. Kind of break this down. Uh, yep. The first one <laughs> and the second movie, as far as bad acting go, perfect 20s, okay? <laughs> Every single person I thought in both movies tried so hard to play these roles, and every single one of them failed. None yeah. of them were any good. They were, they were so bad that they were good. I was like, man, this, this guy right here is doing a terrible job. Thinks he's doing a good job. No, doing a terrible job. Special K? monotone, terrible emotion, ridiculous. All of them dancers before actors, as far as acting goes, 20s across the board. Story. I gave the story for both of them a 10, because I, I did see that there was, there was, they were trying to have you know, a little meaning behind it, you know, save the kids, uh, kind of blend the two cultures or whatever in the first one, and I sort of, I was like, okay, I get it. But I mean, it's still a breakdancing movie, so the story's going to be tossed out the window at some point. That's the other half, so both of them get 10s. Uh, insanity Factor... The first movie I gave 15, and the second movie I gave 17. The constant <laughs> dancing, the constant break dancing is insane. That's like, that's, it just is. It's too much dancing. And they're dancing all the time. They dance in regular conversations. They dance out of a room. They make an entrance dancing. It's just sort of ridiculous how much dancing they do. They dance with their hands. Anyway, because they <laughs> stepped it up... Because they stepped it up in the second one with kind of a breaking, uh, breakdancing musical vibe, I had to give it more action because there was more dancing in these two movies. Dancing is action. Action is dancing. That's, that's true, yeah. Now, as far as action goes, the first movie gets 12, and the second movie gets 14. Obviously, more action in the second movie. Same thing, action, dancing, dancing, action. The, um, I gave it a few extra points, too, for the uh, dance battle. 
uh, under the overpass. It stands for me as one of the most ridiculous <laughs> things I've ever seen. I mean, it was it's funny. It's, that means it's a winner. Oh, it is. It's definitely a winner. Like sometimes y'all go and watching these movies. I'm like, I'll see a scene. I'm like, thank you, y'all. I would have never seen this without you. That was one. Of, <laughs> that was one. I loved it. Somebody paid to make that happen, and a lot of people <laughs> exactly. invested time and effort to create that. And chances are, more than one person agreed that it was a great idea to do. You've got to give them props. And Mr. D, I have to, I have to say the whole dance fest thing. You said you couldn't sit through the dance fest one more time. Well, you don't sit through the dance fest, man. You stand up and you dance with them. That's how it goes. As far as group watchability goes, I kept them pretty close. 13 for the first one, 14 for the second one. They, they are funny enough to where you can watch with people. All the break dancing and just there's so much dancing. You can't help but comment. Like there would be a ton of social commentary on everything that's going on because they're always dancing. They're always doing something wrong. You can give it like that. And people comment on what's wrong. So total, I gave 70 for the first one, 75 for the second one. I think as far as movies that are so bad they're good or concerned, I think both of these are pretty top-notch. That's awesome. Agreed. Yeah, I think they're must-sees. Even the second one, I would recommend watching the whole thing to somebody who's never seen it before. Oh, yeah. Um, it's got to be seen to be believed. And the fact that they came out the same year, <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. It, imagine a sequel these days coming out in the same year, like six months later. I'm like, oh, that was awesome. Let's make another one. Yeah, just stay where you are, guys. We're going to film right after this. Yeah, you guys aren't doing anything, are you? <laughs> nah. If they kept that rate up, we'd have about 60 movies about now. <laughs> oh, breaking, that's awesome. <laughs> breaking 60. It would be like breaking 60, breaking hips. <laughs> well, there you go. There's your top fives. Next up. I think what we're going to do is you guys, are you guys ready to accept the challenge? Yes, sir. I am ready, <laughs> sir. Awesome. I am Triton, the Archangel. You've overstepped your line again, Bob. So this is our favorite segment, <laughs> oldest segment on the podcast. Oh, it is. It's been happening since the second episode, I think. Yep. So basically, I will go ahead and ask five questions that I have created out of the deep, dark depths of my mind to these two unsuspecting victims. And we'll just alternate who answers. So first, have we decided who's going to hit it up? Man of action, is it you? Well, he went first during the rap, so I mean, I, I can take the first one if you want. All right, that'll work. Mr. D, Mr. Dr. D, first question for you. All right. What's your street name, and what is your signature dance move? Oh, my street name. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> That's such a great question. My street name is Ramalama Ding Dong, and my signature <laughs> dance move is the crotch chop. <laughs> As I'm saying, Ramalama Ding Dong, I'm... Chopping my crotch. Over and over again? Why not? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with slow mo Italiano. <laughs> and my signature dance move is gonna be just diving in various directions looking like I'm shooting two guns. <laughs> you have no idea where I'm gonna dive next. Crowd's gonna really gonna really step back. <laughs> I'm trying my damnedest to make it look like moved. I'm moving in slow motion. Oh, it'll be like fantastic. you're in a movie video. Like you're in a yeah. movie. Kids will love it. 
You'll release a dove, you've just been wooed. That'd be pretty painful after a while. But I admire it. It's good. I'm in stellar shape because I'm a breakdancer. <laughs> That's it. You can take impact well. <laughs> All right, so man of action. Sir. Uh, next question's for you. There were some rumors of, out about that Shabadoo, they were going to make a part three of this film. What I'm suggesting is that we do a remake. So for the main three characters, four if you want to count Shooter McGavin, who do we recast? In the film of Breaking, as uh, 2015, Ozone, Turbo, and Special K. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good question. All right, Ozone. We need some. We need a lead actor of color. You know, <laughs> you know, it'd be funny in that role. It'd be ridiculous. I put Martin Lawrence as Ozone. <laughs> and, it's already hilarious. And Turbo. I don't know his name, but he plays uh, the president in uh, Fifth Element. The guy with kind of the, the big, the big tiny Lister. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tiny Lister. <laughs> He's gonna play Turbo. <laughs> I love that you made the remake characters geriatric. Pretty much. <laughs> I'll tell you what. For special K, I'll go with the most monotone and worthless actress I could think of, and that's Kristen Stewart. Oh yeah, oh. I figured that one was coming. <laughs> oh, she's worthless. That is fantastic. All right. So, can they be dead? <laughs> I mean, that's up to you, man. It's your world, right? <laughs> In that case, for Ozone, Thanks, right? I, I'm casting Gary Coleman. <laughs> In his current form? Or sure. like... yeah. If he's alive, in his current form. If he's dead, then, then I'll take him circa 20 years ago. Why not? Um, for Turbo, I'm casting Bill Cosby. <laughs> I think the cause led to be in the mentor this time, as opposed to the young cat. And uh, I'm going to cast as Special K all of the Spice Girls. I have no idea. Scary Spice. I'll, I'll make them all black. There'll be no racial overtone in my movie. Nice. Safe yeah. play. Thank you. <laughs> I love how we've aged everybody. By <laughs> <laughs> <Quite> a lot. <laughs> I can't wait to see the dance battles in this one where somebody throws a hip out. <laughs> it takes place 40, 40 years later, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Give me a Coca-Cola. <laughs> they still practice dance battles in uh, old people homes. That's what it is. Let's go ahead. Third question will be, I want to hear if you have one or two answers, great. It can be as many as you want, but what sequel gets... The Electric Boogaloo Award, because that is synonymous with worthless sequels now, as we've all found out. Good Lord, that is a great... Um, Gape from L.A. Yeah, that's a... Then, uh, Superman 4, Quest for Peace. <laughs> How far are you going to go with this one? Any one of the saws, <laughs> and there you go. They would all get the Electric Boogaloo treatment for me. <laughs> well played. Thank you. My absolute number one Electric Boogaloo title, I guess I would give to. Everyone will agree, and that's Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Probably oh, my God, yeah. Worst you were right about that one. ever made. Absolutely terrible. Recently, I saw a couple of films that disappointed me enough to where now that I know that this term exists, I can give it to, and that's Kick-Ass 2 and Amazing Spider-Man 2 were both exceptionally, exceptional letdowns compared to the first ones in their in their groups. They were. Both. And you know that Amazing Spider-Man 2 is really like an electric boogaloo considering Jamie Foxx's blue <laughs> <laughs> lightning bug I even think of character. Yes, he was electric boogaloo, the character. That's that's what it should have been his superhero name. I am. I'm Electric Boogaloo. And that brings us perfectly into question four, which, because this whole cast was kind of inspired last minute by the untimely demise of Menahem Golan, as I've talked about before, Golan was famous for wanting to create a Spider-Man film, 
where it was just a Spider-Man, as if he had really no idea what the comic book was about, and all he knew was the title. So my challenge to you gentlemen is remake, what's your vision of a comic book film? If you could only, like, use the title alone and you had no idea what the story was about. So use it literally? Yes. A literal comic book adaptation. Excellent. All right. Um, hasn't come out yet, but I, I can't get on board with the character, but I would do a literal version of Ant-Man. <laughs> and it would be just, I guess, like a dude that is, like, kind of built like an ant, like body of an ant. He's, he's already that big. Kind of like the ending of the original Fly, like just kind of a jacked up, small person. Really tiny. And then like, I mean, the movie starts off, maybe says a few words, and then somebody steps on him. Credits roll. It's over with. Boom. <laughs> Ant Man. Excellent. Sure to be bestseller. Yeah. <laughs> I would, uh, I would go really artsy and make a piece about Green Lantern, about a literal lantern painted green, <laughs> and it would just be the lantern being turned on and off for about ten minutes, and then it would just go to credits. Maybe, maybe it burn out and they change the bulb. Yeah, the bulb. They change the bulb. Like the bulb would burn out and they change the bulb. They'd pull the switch, and as they pulled the, the lever again, the whole screen would go dark. See, I can see it now. Like, it ends when the lantern goes off. Correct. Okay. <laughs> there you if, go. If it keeps going on and off, that's, like, that's you can anticipate. pretty brilliant. <laughs> the credits roll when it's on or Thank when it's you. off. I don't know. Edge of the seat. Damn. <laughs> credits could roll, and then when the lantern comes back on. That's right. <laughs> like a oh, hidden scene. <laughs> hidden scene at the end. There's a fight, and someone picks up the lantern to throw it. No! That's funny. <laughs> nice. Question number five, Doctor Mister Delicious. This will be your uh, first, your first go at it. So in the film, Ozone's trying to school Turbo on the ways of women folk. Gives him phase one and phase two. What's phase three? Because he never made it. So what's phase three? Uh, <laughs> phase three is a roofie. Oh. <laughs> 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 When in doubt. <laughs> when in doubt, go to the date rape drug. <laughs> I really have said that. <laughs> it's literally the first thing that popped in my head, and I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with knock her up and then use her self-esteem against her and say no one would want to be with a single parent anyway, but <laughs> you'd have to get into her panties first, and that's what the date rape drug is for. Good oh. Lord, I'm brutal. Oh, I just, went to a, I just went to a dark place. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think he's being edited out, but I, I kind of want to stay in. <laughs> Not that we support state rape. No, we don't support violence of women of any kind, I promise. Oh. Could have fooled me. <laughs> I can't remember. What was the first bit of advice before the first bit? Was you kind of like whisper in their ear. That was phase one. And phase two seemed like you were just ignoring them. <laughs> Tactical maneuver to ignore them. Third maneuver. Oh, man. Put my answer. That was a good one. See, so you whisper in their ear, you ignore them. And right when they know that they're being ignored and they decide that maybe, according to his world, they're about to talk to you, I say the third move is just to just to leave. Just, just to leave. Take off. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and perfect and legal. Well done. Yeah. Before you like exit the room, like give like look back and give kind of a sly expression of some sort to him. Like yeah, uh. it's just happened. Or follow me if you want. You know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
After that, you report them to police for following you. Be like, I don't know who this lady is. The fourth move, tactical maneuver two. Oh my goodness! Alrighty then. Feels good today. There you go. There's your five questions. You both answered successfully. Well, there you go. That's episode 15 of Movie Bomb Squad. Hope you enjoyed it. You can reach us on the web at moviebombsquad.com. Email us, moviebombsquad at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook. Just look up Bomb Squad. We'll add you to the little group. And you can find me on Twitter occasionally when I'm bored and nothing to do. At Yoggins. Y-O-G-G-I-N-S. Next episode... We're also going to do one movie for that. We're trying to cut it down time-wise. So we're just going to hit up the fantastic naval classic, Navy Seals. Totally true to life. Um, (laughs) And we'll be having a special guest join us, hopefully. He goes by none other than Poof Winston. (laughs) (laughs) You look forward to the special four-pack edition of Movie Bomb Squad in two weeks. More Poof than Carl's. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, that's it. You got the touch. You got the power. <laughs> we out of here. Peace out, sucker. Peace out, guys. Shabadoo. Shabadoo. Test your mic. Test your mic. Test your mic. Test your mic. Movie Bob Squad!